I have a confession to make. I had the idea to write a book for years before I finally put pen to paper and published the book. So the big question is this, how do people like me who battle doubt and insecurity push past their fears and publish a book? Well, that is the question, and this podcast is going to give you the answers. So join me as I bring you behind-the-scenes interviews and insights so that you can move forward and publish your book with boldness and courage. My name is Coach Tam, and this is Publishing Secrets. Are you struggling with the story that you never intended to tell? You know, as writers and aspiring authors, we often have a vision for what our writing career is going to look like. Maybe you're excited about sci-fi or comedy or romance or westerns. But what happens when God interrupts your plans and challenges you to tell a story that's going to make you vulnerable. When God challenges you to expose the secrets, when he calls you to take something that many people would rather not talk about and bring it to the forefront so that people can be set free. If that is something that you're wrestling with today, I believe that God has ordained this moment for you to listen to this episode. I'm pleased to have with me Rosie McKinney, who had to face that exact same dilemma. And I'm thankful that even though it was a challenge, her answer was yes, because now there are so many wives across the world who are being set free because of Rosie's yes. You see, you never know what your testimony will do. So I pray that you will listen, you will take great notes, that you will be encouraged and you will be inspired to share that story, trusting God with the outcome and knowing that wherever he guides, he always provides. Enjoy. Welcome to Publishing Secrets. It's my honor and privilege to talk to you about your journey in writing your book. And just in a little conversation that we've had and uh, the opportunity that I had to review your book, I just have a feeling that there's going to be an inspiring story that will come out of our time today. So thank you so much for making time to be here. It is my absolute pleasure. I love talking about writing and I love talking to writers. And when I was you know, in my writing journey, I used to listen to so many podcasts and hear their stories and go, I want to have a story one day. <laughs> and boy, have I got a story for you. Now you've got a story for our listeners. So so let's give them a little bit of insight about the particular book that is currently the focus of your mission and ministry. Tell us about that book and the audience that you had in mind as you were writing that book. My book is called Fight for Love, and it is specifically for any woman who is in a relationship with someone who is addicted to pornography. It is also applicable to parents and to women who struggle with pornography themselves. In a nutshell, it is 
Someone referred to it as the idiot's guide to porn addiction. Lovingly referred to it, I think. But basically, it's everything that I had to learn the hard way and everything that women that I work with in my ministry, I have a ministry for wives as well, an awareness raising ministry, everything that they had to learn the hard way because the stage between discovering that pornography is actually impacting your relationship and finally getting into recovery where the help and the healing is can be really long and painful and tricky. And we just want to make that horrible, lonely, lonely stage as short as possible by giving people the facts about what it's really doing and the facts about what will actually help, not all those things Mm -hmm. you've been trying that really don't help, and the faith to just encourage them, to give them the conviction and also the strength to put down those firm boundaries. So that's what my book is all about. Yeah. You know, what I love about what I've had an opportunity to read so far is you're bringing all of those elements together. So your own personal journey, the spiritual element, and you brought us things that I hadn't really thought of. I won't give it away, but you definitely weave in scripture. And I was really intrigued by the difference between submission and obedience and that they don't always go together. Um, So there's some really powerful spiritual insights, but you're also very practical in terms of how to help wives take ownership of this. Not that it's their fault, but I'm not just going to sit by and allow this to happen in my home and in my marriage. So I'm excited about the mission that you're on. Of course, I'm always curious, though, it's got to take a lot of courage to write a book like this. Tell us a little bit about the journey to actually deciding to write this particular book. Yeah. So if I'm completely honest with you, Tam, I would say that this is a book that I never really wanted to write, to be honest. And Mm -hmm. I was waiting for someone else to write it, someone famous with a big platform (laughs) who could basically say everything that I knew needed to be said somewhere in a book for people to read, but just wasn't, wasn't out there. So I got two things going on in my life. I got my writing side and I wrote children's fiction. And then I got my ministry where I worked with my husband and we work in this field and he's a certified sexual addiction therapist. So he's working all day long with addicts and their wives. And I would work with wives groups or go out and do awareness raising or go and talk to parents and things like that. So we've got these two things going on, but never the twain shall meet. So I was quite happily doing my children's writing, which I Mm. absolutely love. It is my joy. It is Mm. so rewarding. I go into my own little fantasy bubble and it's what makes life bearable when my children are driving me mental. And, you know, just, I've got to be honest with you. I was in a brand new country. You know, I come from England, so I'm in America. I'm feeling homesick. You know, my children, I got very small babies at the time. They're destroying the house. Everything that I spend all day long doing, they undo immediately. So writing is the only thing that makes Mm -hmm. me feel, you know, connected to that creative part of myself and productive, Mm -hmm. you know, like I can write a paragraph and it's building slowly. So I'm loving writing. So I'm doing this and I'm joining the SCBWI, which is the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. And, you know, I'm getting into community. I'm finding writers. I'm finding myself. I'm loving it. And then the best thing of all happens. I've got this manuscript written. A friend of mine who is, she's a very successful YA author. She introduces me to her agent at a conference and she loves the concept. So I send the manuscript Mm. off and she loves it and she signs me. And I'm like, 
oh my goodness, it's all happening. It's happening yes. as it's supposed to happen. You know, this is amazing. Wow. So I go on submission, which is just the most excruciating process in the whole wide world, you know, waiting to see if anybody wants it. And I've got my list of, you know, editors that's been sent off to. And uh, lo and behold, there's a book deal. There's a book deal and then somebody else wants it. So now there's two people competing. They're fighting. They're fighting. They're fighting. These are big houses. These are like Penguin Random House. And who was the other? Wow. Can't even remember. Can't even remember who the other one is. Another big one. So, but everything is taking a really rather a long time. Hmm. And I'm sort of like, well, everything's fine. I know that, you know, everything's fine, but it's really taking a long time for me to actually see anything. I've got my spreadsheets that my agent has sent me of, you know, these are the houses it's gone out to. And she's given me the names of the people who are, you know, fighting. And then she's just dealing with the intricacies of the contract, but it's all taking a really, really long time to actually come to fruition. And there's a little part inside of you that's going, is this real? Is this real? Like it's taking a really, really long time. I think, well, it has to be real. My friend has published books with this agent. She's obviously doing her job. I'm not paying her any money. There's no reason. I, I, she's got lots of other, she's got about 50 other clients. I see them. I see their work. It's amazing. Anyway, this is taking such a long time. So in the meanwhile, I'm looking for a project because I can't really write the sequel, even though this book deal that is supposedly happening mm-hmm. is a two book deal. I'm going, I don't really want to start the sequel yet because, you know, if it doesn't, for some reason it doesn't happen, I need to start a new book, not be putting my effort into a, another book. Yeah. You don't yeah. want to write the sequel if you haven't actually got the deal. Well, I didn't anyway. So, and in the meanwhile, I had stumbled upon a group of Christian writers in my community and they kept telling me about this Christian writing conference, which was up in Santa Cruz and you've got to go, you've got to go. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. They're like, got to go, you've got to go. I'm going, well, I don't, I don't really have, even have a project. You know, I'm not really writing any Christian books. I said, well, I know there's this book that needs to be written, you know, this book to do with my ministry. And I really feel like this Biblical battle plan needs to be written for wives of porn addicts. I tell you what, I will, I'll work on that as a proposal, you know, to take and because you need a project when you go to writing conferences, people, you know, want to know what you're talking about. You're doing something. Yeah, exactly. And there was, they've got a first timers competition and you can win a scholarship to the contest. So I thought, well, I'll start writing things. So I wrote like the five pages for the competition and I won one of the places. It was like, wow. So all expenses paid to this conference. So I'm going, okay, right. Now I need to sort of write a little bit more. So I want that. And I'll just <laughs> see. Now. <laughs> so I'm, I'm finding myself at this conference, you know, and I'll just see if there's a market for it because, you know, there's editors there and agents and lots of people. And I go there and the response to my idea is phenomenal. Like everybody I sit next to goes, thank you for writing this book. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm not actually writing it. Like this, this is kind of in the idea stage here. Right. And then even though I'd got all the information in my head and I knew what had to be written, it certainly wasn't written at this stage. And then I met editors and they were really, really enthusiastic. And then I got a couple of agents who were interested. And uh, one of them who, you know, would be like my dream Christian agent, like absolute dream agent. He was very interested. And I'm thinking, but I've got an agent, like, you know, I've got this other lady. Who's- right. So anyway, so I talked to him and I said, I've already got this lady for my, you know, secular fiction. He's going, well, they're different categories. It's fine. It's fine. You know, I can actually help you sell in this market. So write your chapters, send it back to me. So I go home and I write my three chapters and there's a little part inside of me that's going, I don't want to work with this original agent because everything is taking such a long time. And it's one thing to put my little children's book in her hands but this book feels important 
and it feels like a responsibility that I can't risk this. Mm-hmm. So I wrote my three chapters that he wanted to see because he's, I love the idea. I like you. You look like, you know, you can sell yourself, but can you actually write? So I went home and wrote the chapters and sent them off and he liked them. And so he says, I'll sign you. I said, well, I need to talk to the other agent and see if she's okay with it. And she was like, well, I can sell it. I can sell it. And I said, with all due respect, Mm. this is not your market. I'm going to actually go with somebody else for this. Thank goodness I did. So (laughs) good decision, right? Good decision. So now I'm this deal that, you know, is in the background with this, you know, two book deal with Penguin Random House is still, you know, somehow out there in the ether going on. And so I then start working on the proposal that my Christian agent is going to send out with this nonfiction book for Wives of Porn Addicts. And then it was in that process where he was about to, no, I think it has gone on submission. So that had gone out on submission. And I'm at the same conference facility, but I'm with my family this time and we're having family camp. And I get this email from the first agent and it says, I'm really sorry, but I'm letting everybody go. I'm having to close the agency, but if you've got a book deal, don't worry about it. Everything's going through. So I'm like, okay, this is a bit weird. Like what's happened? Wow. So fortunately she had like set up a, like a little group of her clients. So I'm like, okay, I need to ring somebody now. So I ring Mm -hmm. one of her clients and she says, okay, the down low is that she's been making up deals. I wish people could see your face right now. Oh my God. Making up deals? Making up deals. And I'm going, well, that can't possibly be what's happening in my case. What do I do? And she said, you need to write to that editor. And I say, but I haven't spoken to the editor. She said, you need to write to that editor. So I send off my little email going, this is a really strange email. And I know I haven't spoken to you, but have you signed this particular book? And just, I gave her a little bit of the, you know, what's been going on. And she wrote back and she said, I'm really sorry. I haven't signed this book. So I'm just like, I just literally collapsed in the middle of this dining hall and just wept. Like, are you kidding? And then I'm like, I wonder if she ever was sent it, whether this ever went out. So then I send her another email going, just for clarification, did you ever receive this? And she said, no, I'm really sorry. And so the whole thing was a fabrication. But the weird thing is, because people always say like, well, you know, how much money did you pay? I'm like, no, there was no money. There was nothing in it for her apart from, well, who knows? Who knows what was really going on there? So it was the same for, I mean, I was fortunate in the sense that I had fake deals. Some people had fake rejections. Mm. So, you know, and so I did get my 15 minutes of fame in Publishers Weekly, but not for the reason I wanted, because there was this big expose on like, this is every writer's worst nightmare. Your agent actually is pulling a fast one for reasons you don't understand. So absolutely devastated. But fortunately, so the other thing that's going on at the same time is like this Christian proposal that's going out on a book that I'm not sure I even particularly need to write or want to write. And I knew I needed to write it, but it was like, well, this is kind of not my focus because I was going to use a pseudonym on that one, you know, because I don't want this being my story, you know, two different genres. You can't do children's writing and writing about Mm -hmm. porn addiction. Yeah. I can see your point. (laughs) So the, uh, this is a very long story, but I am enjoying telling it. So we start to get feedback back from the editors of the Christian publishing houses looking at this proposal from my 
genuine agent who is actually sending it out, who is absolute dream to work with. You know, I've gone from the worst of agents to the best of agents. The best. Yeah. Absolute superstar he is. So we got some responses and they, they loved it. They loved it. So we go to, they take it to the editorial board and uh, they all love it. They love the concept. They like the writing. They want to go for it, but there's no platform. Who is this lady? There's no platform. You know, that's big. So that fails. And then it goes to another house and they really like it. But again, who is this lady? There's no platform. We know this needs to be written, but you know, we need somebody, you know, more famous to write it. And I'm going, I know, I know you need somebody more famous to write this one. Sing all along. You know, like, <laughs> I know. I'm like, can I just ghostwrite this and someone put your name on it? So this went out to 16 people, 15 no's. So at this point, I'm like, okay, so I've had two fake deals, you know, like I've had a fake deal, two things of those. And now I'm having to put myself out for a project that I'm not even sure I really want to do. I mean, I did want to do it, but you know, it's a big, yeah. do I want to be the poster child for being in a porn addicted marriage? I hear you. I hear you. you know, I hear you. and now everybody's saying no. And I just felt like, what are you doing to me? God, like, mm. I'm trying to be obedient here and write the stuff. And yet all the doors are closing. I just don't understand. And what really helped me get through that stage was my little writing group. Talk to us about this this community, this tribe of people. Yes, the people who put me up to it in the first place, those ladies. So they were just there. I mean, they were the ones who read, you know, the 23 versions of chapter one as I was trying (laughs) to find my voice. There you go. Finding your voice. That's a common thing. <laughs> you know, because I've gone from fiction to nonfiction and it's a different style. And, you know, it takes you a while to actually work out how to write it. And they were the ones who encouraged me to actually include more of my story, to actually connect with people, because I would rather stick something sharp in my eye than actually share the nitty gritty of my personal life, which is kind of funny now, really. But, you know, they encouraged me. They, you know, dried my tears. They lovingly critiqued it when it really wasn't very good. And they were the ones who just, you know, just sat with me as I cried. Like, I don't understand. I've done everything I possibly can. I thought I'd done due diligence with the first agent and just got totally blindsided along with 50 other people. You know, I don't understand why that happened. This just doesn't happen. You don't have people that make up stuff for no apparent reason. Now you're making me put myself out for this and the doors are all closing. I was just so confused. Anyway, number 16, submission number 16 is on maternity leave. And she comes back and says, yeah, I like it. I like it. Let's have a call. So I have a call and I'm starting off with, well, I've got no platform, you know, let's just get it out on the table. (laughs) You know, I'm like, I don't want, I don't want to get my hopes up. Like, I'm just going to tell you out now. Like I've got no platform. You know, this is me. This is what I can do. And she's going, no, it's the message. It's okay. You know, she was kind of like, this is a book that needs to be written. Let us worry about the platform. And wow. you do your job and we'll do our job. And I was like, oh, really? Wow. And uh, they offered me a book deal. And this was with Lifeway. And I was just like, okay, God, you're amazing. You're incredible. Like, I have no platform. I didn't even really want to write this book. And somehow you have surrounded me with the right people to encourage me to go down this journey. You have given me the most amazing agent who encouraged me when I didn't think it was possible. And you gave me an editor with a heart for this. And she was just a warrior and was willing to fight for it, even though I was an author without a platform. So that's how it started. And I just want to tell your reader that sometimes it makes no sense. The journey 
makes absolutely no sense. And this is why you need community around you. So actually, you know, I was that person on the stretcher. Mm. I was like, you just need to let me at the feet of Jesus now because I'm no good to anybody right now. And they're like, it's all right. We have faith that God is working through this and we can't see it at the moment. And you're just being pummeled. And I don't know why, but we just have faith for you. And since then, it's been, you know, open doors the whole way. Wow. And that's what's standing out to me about this story is it was a test, right? It was like you had to be able to survive all of this hell, for lack of a better term, to get to the place that you ultimately needed to be. So I'm curious, you know, I know you had all these people around you that were rooting for you, but inside for you, if you didn't have these people, do you think you would have quit? You would have pulled out of this and said, forget it? It's difficult to say because they were so integral in actually making the project happen in the first place that I wonder whether I would have actually been in this position because Mm. everything that I have learned has come through other people. And I'm so grateful that I went through that whole first experience Mm -hmm. because I was the one sitting there going, what's the difference between an editor and an agent? Why do you need those? And so (laughs) when I actually met like my dream agent, I knew what I was talking about. I'd been through this and I wasn't as intimidated. And I knew it was like, I need some professional You know, he doesn't need to be my best friend, but I need him to respond to my emails promptly. Whereas before, I think I needed a bit more handholding and stuff. And I don't know whether I would have done any of it without the community around me. I really don't. It has been, I mean, the book's been great and helping people has been great. The ministry has been great. But the community that I found through writing has been one of the greatest joys of my life. And finding a Christian writing community is like the best thing it's the best thing ever. It really is. I love it. So it sounds like if you hadn't had that first introduction to the group, if you hadn't said yes that first time, then all of these other things may not have ever fallen into place. So to me, it goes back to those moments. Sometimes they're defining moments that seem you know, small or insignificant, But looking back and hearing your story, the moment that you said, yes, your willingness to go to the conference and to meet people and take those little baby steps, it really set up everything else for falling into place. Would you agree? Yeah, it did. And I look back and the reason I got into the little tiny Christian writing critique group is one of the ladies I met at the children's writing conference. And Mm. so- she introduced me to other Christian writers and that's how I got into that group. But isn't that the way in the Bible? That is so intentional. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness. Like if you just, if you just gone a different route, if you just passed by that person, if you'd never sat next to that person, everything else, it's so, it blows my mind. Yeah. It really blows my mind how incredibly close you mm. know, it is sometimes. And, and it's like, God, you're amazing. You can make anything happen. And so I just want to give people hope, especially if they're on that sort of rejection spiral. Yeah. You know, you only need one and God is capable. And if it doesn't happen on this one, it's not meant to happen. And just keep going, just keep going, doing what you feel called to do. And I did feel called to write this Mm. book. I didn't want to write it, but I really felt like there is a need to write it. I can do it. I guess I'm going to have to which is kind of like a lot of the people in the Bible, isn't it? It's like, can I put another mat out? Can we turn it over? (laughs) That's right. That's right. But ultimately you are making a huge difference and you are the voice 
you know, the one that you thought someone else should talk about this story. Evidently, it was ordained for you to be the person to provide life to this story. And even just hearing about your journey, like there's so much in it, even beyond the book, right? You know, thinking about that horrific experience that you went through. I, yeah, my jaw dropped because I was like a fake deal. Like who makes up I know. know. So I can't even imagine how that must have felt in that moment to realize that it wasn't even, it didn't even exist. So let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, looking back, thinking about the audience that's listening, what advice would you give them in terms of things to look for in an agent? I think one of the things that I heard was, you know, timeliness of communication and, and maybe even just some sort of inner conflict that maybe it wasn't right? Like, what would you say would be advice that you would give to someone out there that's working with an agent or considering working with an agent? I would say trust your instincts and don't be afraid to actually test out your instincts. Like, I was certainly in that starstruck category of, oh, I don't want to bother her. She seems so busy. She seems so busy. She's always posting how busy she is. Um, She's got all these other clients. I don't want to be a pain. If I'm a pain, she might not, you know, push my book. When really, you know, you're the one who earns her money. And yes, you need to be a really good, respectful, considerate client. However, you need a professional. And I mean, there's only so many personal crises that your agent can have before you start going, hmm, you know. Um, And I really wish that I talked to our other clients because what happened afterwards is because we were all in this little network, Mm -hmm. after this happened, we formed our own group like it was like a support group. Oh, okay, she's had a support group, right? It literally was. And we met up in LA. I think there was about eight of us, nine of us. And we actually met up and we went out for dinner and all supported each other through this process. And fortunately, the publishing industry were incredible. And the agents opened their doors and said, anybody who is in this agency now can jump straight to the front of the queue. I will look at any submissions for anybody. And I would say pretty much everybody got picked up and lots and lots of people have got books out now because these were really high caliber people. You know, I can't vouch for the writing because I couldn't see that, but the illustrators I could see. And I'm like, wow, these people are really good. But I did do my due diligence. This was someone who had a track record of deals. I had a personal connection. She was happy with what had happened, but I didn't realize that the once the book deals start coming, you don't actually need to do, the agent is not the person who goes out and finds the deal every time. The deals keep coming. And I didn't realize that thing because the people who'd got book deals in that agency had already got their deals. She was just sort of doing the administration on them. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So I would just say my biggest piece of advice is trust your gut. My husband kept saying to me, do you think it's real? And I'm like, how could it not be real? Like it makes no sense, but this is going on a really long time. And just have those conversations because what happened with other clients who had these conversations, she turned quite nasty on them and pushed back. And it's like, if you've got an agent who's being nasty to you, then that's a good thing to find out as soon as possible because this is your writing career and you have got to take ownership of it. And, you know, there are so many things that you can't control in this industry, but you can control whether or not you're with somebody who is actually responding to you and is actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. And I can't believe lightning could strike twice like that. So don't freak out. I haven't heard another story like mine (laughs) and neither had the publishing industry, which is why it was all over the place. And like, can you believe this happened? Because everyone was like freaking out going, no, this is my worst nightmare. 
Yeah, but your worst nightmare led to something amazing. Now, I'm curious, as you were, you know, as you got your deal and now doors are opening, was there any nervousness or fear about the fact that you were going to be going public with this story? Was there any second thoughts about moving forward once the wheels started rolling in motion? Great question. I was certainly apprehensive, but by that point, it felt like a responsibility and a privilege to actually have the opportunity to speak into women's lives at this point. So it was just a massive, massive jump of obedience. And if you're wanting me to do this, I'm going to do this as well as I can. And if that means sharing the ugliness of what actually happened in my own life, so be it. And I was fortunate in that I use a lot of other people's stories. So in my recovery community, I was able to draw on lots of other people's experiences. And then it felt like I need to do these ladies justice. I need to do their stories justice. So it wasn't just me. It was, I'm speaking for all of us now, and I'm speaking for all those women out there who are believing all the lies and are hopeless and helpless. So it kind of didn't become about me anymore. Mm. And, you know, and it has to be my name on the book. You know, it can't be a pseudonym. It has to be my name because that's part of it. And my whole ministry is about, let's just take the shame out of this issue. This is affecting so many people. And if I'm not willing to lead from the front, what hope is that? You know, you need to walk the walk as well as talk the talk. Yeah. Well, that is so powerful. I just feel like there's someone either when this airs or down the road, because that's the great thing about podcast, you know, is someone can go back and listen to something from years prior that someone's going to hear this and they are going to be challenged to own their story, right? Because sometimes we'd rather not share the story, (laughs) but someone else's deliverance could very well hinge on us being obedient and sharing our stories. So I pray that it gives someone courage to move forward with the story that they never thought they'd tell. I love the way that you share that, the story that they never thought they would tell, but it's a story that they know needs to be told, right? Yeah. And that's my whole ministry. And another thing I've just thought of when you asked me that question about, was I apprehensive? What really helped in those months leading up to launching was I started my own podcast, but I started it with four other women because I felt like the book is great. You know, it's the facts and, you know, you can read it, but what you really need to do is hear people. You need to hear stories, not just my story, but everybody else's story as well. And so it was a bit like The View. It was a panel podcast. That's how we started. It's changed a little bit now because I bring in experts on this and that, but it was literally around my dining room table, And we talk through, you know, topics, you know, is it my fault? Will I ever trust him again? What's the full disclosure? All those early day questions that wives had and these amazing women just poured their hearts out, you know, down these microphones. And I mean, they were braver than I was. I was like facilitating, but they were the ones, you know, really sharing their hearts. And so I almost feel like they led the way. I wrote the book, but they they were the heart. They're the heart of the whole thing, the heart of the whole ministry. And it really is a collective effort. And I cannot believe what is happening now. Like the ministry, I've got 12 on the team now. There are 12 of us and we're, you know, we're just going to expand and do church outreach and do all these other things. When I could have just been sitting at home on my bed, writing children's fiction, which although (laughs) was brilliant, 
you know, it's not going to bless lives in the same way as this particular ministry. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that it all fell apart. And I never thought I'd say that. Mm. Now that's saying something, right? I'm grateful that it all fell apart, but because God had a better plan. And that's what's so hard sometimes for us to see in these moments, because we are so attached to what we believe is what we need or what we want. And God is saying, I have something that's going to impact people to your point in a completely different way than your original plan. Sometimes plan B (laughs) is better than plan A. And that's the case in this instance. And there's, I'm sure there has to be a mental and emotional, spiritual, even toll that the work takes on you, but there's probably nothing as fulfilling in terms of professional work than what you do right now. And you would never know that if you had just stuck to being a exactly. author. Exactly. I absolutely love what I get to do now. And it is so pushing me, like starting the podcast. I could hardly talk those early episodes. I was like, for flair, for flair. And it was just like, I can't do this. I can't host a podcast. I can't finish a sentence. But you learn. And that's the thing that I'm really discovering is that God will equip you if he has called you. And you just have to be humble enough to say, I don't know what I'm doing, help me. And then find those people in the community who will help you. And it's just a case of just humbling yourself again and again. I can't tell you how many times I went home from my critique group in tears as they'd ripped my chapter to shreds, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm going, I'm driving home going, I can't do this. I can't do this. Who am I to think I'm doing this? And so I'd mope for, you know, 36 hours and then you know, you put your big girl pants back on and get on with writing because you've got a deadline. That process of allowing other people to talk into your life, to speak over you, words of encouragement and, you know, loving critique is Mm -hmm. everything. I mean, we are the body of Christ. Yes, it's my name on the book, but this isn't just my name. That's not just your book. Yeah. It's not my book at all. It's not my book at all. It was his book all along. Yeah. That's such a powerful nugget for someone that's listening to is, you're a vessel, like you are the person that said yes, so that this work can be put in motion. But then all of these other people have come alongside you to help accomplish the mission. And so I think sometimes as I've talked to people in their journey, they're feeling like, well, even I heard you say, I can't do this, but it's not just going to be you, right? So God is, of course, empowering you and he's on the journey with you. And he also may have people that are going to come alongside you and support this mission if you take those first steps of obedience. Even as you were talking about the podcast, right? It was, you discovered how to do it and you got better at doing it as you were doing it, right? Not, (laughs) I think sometimes we want that download, like give it all to me, let me practice and be awesome. And then I will go start the podcast. And often the way he works is no, you go ahead and go ahead and start the podcast. <laughs> you start writing, you put your work out there and, and it's a process of perfecting, right? We don't just come out perfect or dotting all of our I's and crosses all of our T's, but we're perfected going through the process. And that's so challenging, right? Because the process is often painful. That's exactly. And even though we know in our heads that he works through our weakness, We don't really want to do that process in public. (laughs) No, you're right about that. (laughs) Can I not do it at all? First of all, that would be my first choice. (laughs) And then if I have to do it, let me not have to do it in public, right? But God gets the glory out of all of it because all I hear now as I'm talking to you is 
testimony with the root of that being test, right? There would not be this amazing testimony that you now have without the tests that you have been through. So now we have a book, we have a ministry, you've got a team of 12, there's a podcast. I'm curious as you look forward, and I actually was thinking about this before we even hopped on. I'm just curious because I'm a person that loves vision. Like, what else do you see? Like, if you were to zoom out to five years from now, what else could you see God doing with the work that has been started? I want a movement. I want a movement of faith-filled, proactive women standing firm against pornography. And I want us to take our marriages back. I want us to take our families back. And this has to be a movement. The only way we're going to come out of the shadows is when we see other people walking in the light. So I would love us to, I mean, we're, we're starting tentative church outreach programs, but I'd love us to be at conferences, you know, and giving a presentation because we don't talk about this and you can't advertise a seminar, come to this if porn's a problem in your marriage. No one is going to go because the shame surrounding this issue is so huge. We need to educate every single woman. We all need to collectively educate ourselves to help those who are affected. So we all need to go to the seminar and sit there so that the 50% who are being affected, and I think 50% is a conservative number, so that everybody can get this information because I have never, ever yet met a person who doesn't have a story of either their own experience or a loved one or a friend whose marriage or relationship has been affected by pornography. I just haven't met one yet. You know, everybody knows somebody who's been affected and we need to start talking about this. So if we can, if that's what our little ministry can do and grow, I can't tell you how excited I am about these ladies who've just joined me. I just recently gave the call. We were a team of five and now we're a team of 12. And I said, we have grand vision, we have grand plans, but we can't do it on our own. Who can come alongside? And the women we've got are so incredible. The caliber of their skills and their talents and their passion to reach other women is, it's mind blowing. I'm like, seriously, God, you sent me that person with those skills and that passion. I'm like, wow. So I cannot wait to see what happens when they can start taking the reins as well. Yeah. Well, I think you're going to see, and I wouldn't be surprised if there are not people that are listening to us in this podcast episode that also want to come alongside and support the mission that you are on. So let's talk a little bit about how people can get connected to you. Where would you like people to go if they want to learn more about your book and your ministry? How can they get connected with you? Our website is called fightforloveministries.org. And if this is something that you're struggling with in your own marriage, I suggest that go and find the podcast. It's called Fight for Love. The book's called Fight for Love. And we have a Facebook group. And I think there's about 600 and something members there. And that's just a place where you can come and hang out. You can ask questions. You can get loved on. And you can see the profile pictures of the other women and go, they're gorgeous. What's wrong with their husbands? Which is what we all do when we go into recovery. We go, how is everybody so gorgeous? And their guy's still doing that because that's one of the, you know, the misconceptions. If your husband is doing this, it's got to be your fault. And it's simply not true. But no, I seriously, you know, just start hearing what recovery looks like. Listen to the podcasts and go on the website. We've got huge resource page that will then start pointing you to the avenues of healing. We're like the ambulance. We just go around picking up, you know, the wounded and then pointing you towards the hospital and saying, that's where the healing is. Go and find that group, go and join that group, go and see that counselor, go and read this book. That's our whole mission. 
Amen. And if you are listening and you are in a women's ministry or conference where you can influence and uh, give Rosie and her team an opportunity to share this message, then also make sure that you reach out to her because I agree with you, you know, being able to reach more people at once is going to help you get this message out faster. So podcast is certainly a great medium to do that. But if we can get you into some churches or some conferences where women come together already, right? And Mm -hmm. just get added to the agenda. (laughs) Can we get one hour, 40 minutes, whatever we can get, right? To talk about this important topic that, you know, as I was reading your book and I saw the stats, I was like, this is something that isn't talked about, but it exists, right? So if you get in front of the audience, there are going to be people that are dealing with this. And it's just that no one knows that they are dealing with. And that's the whole thing. It's like women have been fighting really, really hard already to save their marriages, but they've been fighting in the wrong direction. Like they've been trying to diet or they've been trying to have more sex or more adventurous sex or plastic surgery or forgiving or overlooking all these strategies that just don't work. They just don't work. So as soon as you point them in the right direction, the women go, really? That's the right path? I'm on it. And then things start changing and marriages start blossoming. So you're right. It's like, let's just get where the women are. That's all we need to do. And they'll do the rest. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm believing that somebody right now can help to open some doors so that that can happen. Your team will continue to grow and multiply in this book and the podcast will continue to touch lives. I wonder if before you leave, Rosie, if you're thinking about that person who (laughs) maybe is where you were in one of your most difficult moments, you know, they haven't gotten that one yes yet. They're looking at all of the no's and asking God those same questions that you asked, the why questions. What is the number one piece of advice that you would give to that person right now? I honestly would read about the temptations of Christ because that is how we are all tempted all the time to believe that God is not good, that he is not holy and that he doesn't love us because that is what I was you know, that was my temptation there. Like you've led me down this path and I've stepped out and now nothing's happening. And so I'm not going to say believe in yourself. I'm just going to say, just be aware that the battle is real. And this is how the enemy attacks us. He makes us want to doubt that God is good and that he's holy and that he loves us. And once you're aware of that, it helps you withstand those difficult times because you know that that's exactly what Jesus went through because, you know, Jesus was never, you know, let down on a book deal, (laughs) you know? So it's like, how can he possibly, he was never in a marriage with a porn addict. How can he possibly understand? But he was tempted in those same ways to believe that God is not all those characteristics that he so is. And that's the connection. And once you know that Jesus has experienced exactly what you are, then that gives you the strength to just hold on. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed this week's episode of Publishing Secrets, where our mission is to inspire you to write, publish, and profit in a way that honors God. If this episode has been a blessing to you, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, then rate and review. And if you want support in your journey, whether you are a current author or an aspiring author, then join us on Facebook in the Christian Authors Network. Wherever you are in your journey, we have the best next step for you. So join us there and get the support that you need 
to make the impact that you have been called to make. Until next time, God bless.